Welcome to the first episode of Women of AB Poly. I'm Deirdre Mitchell McLean, and we're going to meet once a week with women who are engaged in Alberta politics. And this week, my guests are Katie O'Byrne, Shauna Garlock, and Kathleen Smith. You didn't ask how to pronounce my name. <laughs> you lucky might nugget. Be Smite. You never know. <laughs> might have been. Might have been. <laughs> and so we have a full plate this week, don't we? <laughs> definitely absolutely and so i i did i did sort of start in the preamble talking to kathleen about so how has this week been for you who's slightly overwhelmed with the fact that we are still checking the results of the u.s election (laughs) you know like electing biden was the easy part but getting trump (laughs) out of the white house is you know, like his statement today where he said he's, you know, not going to leave unless he's dragged out of there, essentially, is absolute insanity. Like, and and we all knew that that was coming. Like, we all knew that that was reality. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, at this point, it doesn't even really matter what the official results are. <laughs> you know, it, I don't think he's leaving. That's the problem. <laughs> but I'm all for dragging his ass out of there. Absolutely. Do it live. Do it live. Because <laughs> I want to see that shit. I want to see them hauling his ass out of there, him completely humiliated and ended. And I want to see it because it has been, people are saying four years. It's been since he started his campaign that we've been dealing with this garbage. And at this point, the media owes it to us. Mm -hmm. The media (laughs) didn't do enough to stand up to him. So give us the goddamn show. We want to see it. See, I don't think, I honestly don't think we'll get it. I don't think we'll get any no. form of resolution. I think he's going to check out for the next two months. He's going to go and play golf. He's going to hide. Um, yeah. And and no one will ever get that that piece of satisfaction of watching him get his ass tossed. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And I'll be surprised if he is even in the country for the inauguration. The reason he doesn't want to leave that Oval Office is because he knows that he's going to get indicted. He knows it's coming. And I'll be surprised if he sticks around for that, to be quite honest. That's such an interesting thing, though, with him. Like, you know, it's supposed to be a transfer of power and, you know, done by adults, so to speak. <laughs> but, like, this yeah. is such a different different way of politics. Like, he it just doesn't yeah. play by any kind of rule or, like, you know... It, manners or anything and so it's like how is this inauguration even going to work if he's not there to transfer the power or you know what I mean like it's just I think they're just going to ignore him to be honest with you I think um I think what's most stunning to me is the fact that pretty much almost half of, of Americans think that this is an acceptable way to try and run a country that this sort of fake alpha male bravado of of just making you know bs statements constantly and, and lying through his teeth. And, and somehow that, that is seen as a leader. That is seen as someone who represents America when the rest of the world is looking at that. And that's realistically all of those attributes of Americans that drive us insane. And 50% of Americans support that. I, I think it speaks to, I, uh, people are howling a lot about the division in the United States and how there's pretty much two Americas now. Mm-hmm. I, I think... It, it speaks more to how they've devalued public education in the United States mm-hmm. and how there's an entire faction of American society that is quite happy to feel that their president 
is only as smart as they are, or maybe not mm -hmm. even smart. It makes that well, it makes them feel mm -hmm. validated, it right? Does. And it, I, I keep going back to um, there's this book that I read by Metzl called Dying of Whiteness, and how that is the current situation in the United States. They are willing white people in the United States, especially um, impoverished white people and uneducated white people, are more than willing to accept all these atrocities and horrors and being left behind and being forgotten so long as brown and black people aren't getting more than they get. When you see the vote split down when they split it by race and then when they split it by gender, um, you know, I'm, I'm not all that surprised to see as many white women support Trump, um, but to see how that the unbelievable distinction between how white Americans and black and people of color in the U.S. are voting. That to me is absolutely yeah. fascinating. And the fact that so many, um, you know, black Americans are disenfranchised, don't have the opportunity to vote, are intentionally gerrymandered out, or the difficulties that they face going to the polls and have, you know, since the, they were first allowed to vote, the difficulties of, of getting to the polls when you read that history. And the fact that the entire American voting landscape would change if you simply allowed every American to actually have a vote. Exactly. Which is why they don't let them. But they had a huge breakthrough though in California. Like they voted, I can't remember what proposition it was, but to let incarcerated former inmates vote, I think now, <laughs> to simplify it somewhat. But um, that was like a huge breakthrough because I mean, they tried to do that in Florida and they've tried to do it in other states, but the mm -hmm. voter suppression is so intense especially in the southern states that it's mm -hmm. you know to this time it had it's been like impossible to do but but that was a really positive portion of the whole <laughs> definitely and i was just checking as as you were talking about that shauna uh it doesn't look like canada actually keeps track of that no. we've, we've got it by age well by age by and by gender but yeah no not by uh hmm. it's shocking to watch on their cable news sometimes that they they are so divided there that even when they go to vote, their vote has an identity. Mm -hmm. It's a black vote. It's a Latin vote. It's a yeah. woman vote. It's a Christian vote. It's mm -hmm. not just a vote. Heaven knows we're not perfect up here. We've got our own systemic racism problems. We've got mm -hmm. uh, the patriarchal paradigm problems, mm -hmm. but we don't break our votes down to that extent. I mean, I'm sure that in within parties there, you know, how are we going to get the immigrant vote? <laughs> how are right. we going to get the women uh -huh. vote? I'm, I'm sure there's that pandering the same way that they pander to seniors, of course. But in the States, it's you, your vote is linked to your identity, which is very bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's considering. Well, I think that's contributing though to like this this division too, right? Because you heard after the uh, after the election day, I mean, can we call it an election day because nothing happened? But <laughs> after the voting day, um, you know, like you really heard, oh well, black people let us down in these areas. Like you heard it all over Twitter that people were like, it right. was the black vote, and it's like, no, no, it, you know, it's just regional. It's not, it's not identity based, or it doesn't have to be, but. You heard a lot of like 
specifically white people saying like, oh, it was the black vote that, you know, that's no, why Biden's not leading. And they like, didn't what? get to, yeah, they didn't get the turnout they wanted. And yeah. Well, which is crazy because whites were voting for Trump. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. you're going to, you're going to blame the black people who yeah. have to stand in line for nine hours when exactly. the whites went and voted for Trump? The craziness yes. of white, that. White women though, they voted overwhelmingly for Trump and it was mm -hmm. like, Come yeah. on, white women. Yeah. You have but one again, job. The, the patriarchy, that the white patriarchy works for a lot of women. And often women don't even realize that that's what they're supporting. They'll justify it in a whole litany of different ways. Um, but people usually vote either on their own, what they believe to be their own self-interest, or they vote on an emotional level. And so for mm -hmm. white women, especially when a lot of the commercials and whatnot that were running in the United States were convincing them to be afraid. Right, you know, right. I mean, Americans love the other. I mean, so do we, but, but it's, it's substantial when you sort of sit, if, if you ever go to the States, just sit and watch TV for a while. And the commercials that were directed, obviously to, you know, your suburban soccer mom. Right. And, and so they really sort of recognize that, that, you know, white women will vote in a manner to protect that status quo, even though when it, you know, when you look at the bigger picture, it doesn't actually do anything for them. It's not making their life better in any way. No. It, I think there's a lot of that too, where anyone, honestly, men or women, uh, when they look at their options and say, at least it's not going to get worse, Right. It may not make my life better, but I don't think it's going to make my life worse, which is a really sad way to look at things. But yeah. Do you think I women think are more to change? I think women are, uh, especially conservative women, are more interested in protecting their own proximity to patriarchal power. Mm -hmm. I think we see it. We see it even locally with some women who consider themselves allies and advocates for other women, but will be the first women in line to bend the knee to this government. Uh -huh. They'll be the first yep. women to defend mm -hmm. MLAs who are misogynistic towards NDP MLAs. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I don't even think they're, it's not that it doesn't hurt them. It's that they have achieved a certain level of power within that organization within that group of people and if they dare to stand up to it they are disconnecting their own connection to mm -hmm. patriarchal yep. power as far as i'm concerned i think that's being a traitor to women that's yeah. about you as an individual instead of all of us as a group and it pisses me off <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah see I get very angry when you see those same women and they try to stand up and say well but you have to support all women right no, regardless of what that woman is saying you to, to feed the feminist propaganda machine that they insist they don't you know follow that somehow I to be a feminist I have to support what every woman says and that's the biggest load of shite frankly that I have ever heard and I, I guess I get really frustrated as you do with you know, the women who carry the water, right? Because that's yes. they probably do it better than, in, you know, than any man, at least a man I can point to and say, dude, your patriarchy blows. But when yeah. a woman does it, she, you know, she, she, it's the Aunt Lydia mentality, right? Yeah. And then they mock liberal feminists. Then yes. they mock socialist feminists yeah. because we won't accept right. them. You know who else I don't accept? That tangy lasagna girl, Ann Coulter. I don't <laughs> accept any of those other women. Yeah. Exactly. So, 
Why would I put up with it locally? What they are doing is no different. They're just doing it on a nicer local scale. Mm -hmm. It's unacceptable and it needs to be called out and we need to stand up to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the overwhelming message too, though, like when you call it out is like, oh, you're anti-feminist or you're Mm anti-women. And it's like, no, no, it's the behavior. Gender really doesn't matter. It's your behavior and your, you know, your ideologies that are hurting people Mm -hmm. is the issue. It's not a feminist Mm -hmm. or anti-feminist thing, you know, but so many people don't understand what feminism is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're anti-feminist. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. Just chill. Well, I think I guess all four of us have uh, proven our feminist cred. Yeah. We've got feminist street cred. Right. So if anyone says to me, you're anti-feminist, my response is always, no, I'm anti-bullshit. <laughs> and what you're doing right now is bullshit. Yes, it's the safest response almost, almost no matter what the problem is. <laughs> yes, true yeah. story. With that, coming back a little bit to Alberta, the rolling back some of the work le- uh, um, labor laws. Was it Bill 43? That was Thursday. I know I was still, I was still hooked on American stuff. I've been catching up slowly. Was 43 been, the toll roads? I hope not. I think so. I can't keep them all straight. <laughs> and they, they, yeah, and I think they like, dumb, didn't right? they drop like five of them this week? So oh, yeah, they, they threw well, so much convenient. at <laughs> exactly. I can't do it this week when we're all completely <laughs> absorbed with what's happening with Donald Trump, yeah. right? Exactly. The, the moment they started rolling out, like, this is so predictable. This government mm-hmm. is transparent where they don't want to be and completely non-transparent where they should be. It's mm-hmm. just how they operate. Bill 32, I think it is. 32. Yeah. Oh, that's not even close to 43 anyway. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, well, was that, was that this week then? Were we not talking about the rollback? It was this week. They dumped everything, I believe, this week. So there was the the bill to change, uh, or I believe it um, gives union members the opportunity to, or the right to make sure that their dues don't go to political, political activities. Um, I know that there were, uh, you know, the, the toll road bill is, is sitting there. Um, yeah. I know that the ledge has been actively discussing um, COVID testing and who will be performing them. Will it stay with Alberta Provincial Lab, which is a division of APL, uh, the public system, or will Donna Life take over more of that? Um, and I mean, the biggest bombshell, of course, is the auditor report with the $1.7 billion that yes. they managed to <laughs> creatively account in new and exciting ways. Um, that they're trying to size. I'd find that I'd find it delicious if it wasn't so horrifying. I right. mean, it's delicious 100%. that they've been busted, but after all their bitching about the NDP being bad fiscal managers, come yes. on, yes. I mean, this is parody at this point. Yes, but here's the thing: does the the whenever I, I sort of read, you know, when we on social media and and news and whatnot, those of us who are aware, for lack of a better term. And we spend a lot of time focused on who's doing what. Um, and, and these are obviously hugely important issues, but the average Albertan, you know, sitting around their kitchen table, you know, worried about COVID, worried about having a job next week, worried about, you know, are the kids gonna be able to go to school? Um, you know, are they, do they toss a lot of this off and just sort of say, well, that's that's just politics. That, that's just- 
I know, would and, guarantee and that they are not sitting there trying to figure out which bills were thrown out or sorry, were passed <laughs> exactly. out this week, right? Yeah. Like that that's exactly. not happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. And those of us who really follow politics, if we have a hard time, you know, following right. along and who's doing what and when are they doing it and, and you know what's what, what are the ramifications of these bills, especially when we're constantly being told that, you know, we're hysterical. There's a, a feminized <laughs> term that's used a lot. Um, you know, if we can barely even defend ourselves. Um, how is the average Albertan not supposed to tune this out? They, they just can't. But I think a, a lot of it too, like this, the the whole budget mismanagement, which is like, that's a fat chunk of change to have mm -hmm. mismanaged, like, mm -hmm. you know, 20 bucks is a mismanagement and you lost it, but like billions yeah. is, uh -huh. that's insanity. Yeah. But when you hear like, just from from seeing people on like my Facebook feed and stuff like that, it's like, you know, while well, the NDP got us here and we have to fix it. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what, you know, what they mismanaged, like they're trying to get us back on track and they're fiscally conserved. And it's like, so it doesn't just give them a pass just because you agree, right? because you hate the NDP. It's not that you agree with the UCP, you hate the NDP for right. whatever reason, because it's Alberta. No, because they were elected. Exactly. You know. so, so here's how a dare they? Here's a how for dare Katie. they? Because because Katie's rural. I'm sort of slightly rural, um, just because of where I where I live. But I, I I'm fascinated with the idea that conservatives have managed to brand themselves as being good for the economy, and and then that brand sticks. Like you can't get that brand off, and yet we have the reverse problem with the NDP, especially rurally, is that we are branded as these crazy leftist money, you know, spenders, wasters. And how do we, on a rural level, switch those brands around? How do we, I mean, it, I've tried facts. Facts kind of yeah. sort of work, um, but I, I don't have- Sort of sometimes. Kind of sort of sometimes, yeah. Well, that's, and that's inherently the problem. How do you, how do you flip the brand? I don't know the answer to that. Well, I think part of what you're, it's an uphill battle too. I, I'm, I'm not rural, <laughs> I'm, I'm very suburban white lady, uh, but I've spent a lot of time in different rural areas, in the coffee shops in rural areas. And if there's one thing that you can find in every small town in Alberta, it's the older gentleman in the coffee shop shooting the shit about mm -hmm. politics. And they're there almost every morning of the week. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're not only fighting this conservative mindset, but you're fighting the, the bubble, the rarefied mm -hmm. air mm -hmm. that these people happen to live in. It's just the nature of their surroundings and the, the small town rural culture where everything they say, regardless of how wrong or non-factual it may be, is fed back to them. Mm -hmm. by their friends, by that group of men at the table with them. Mm -hmm. And, and of that's, you're fighting that and you're fighting areas where there really isn't a lot of diversity. Yeah. They, we're, we're talking about towns where, you know, people like me run away from them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I live in a city. You, gay kids run away from mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. People who want long-term higher education run away from them so it's not even like diversity comes to these towns and and expands organically because the chance for that is gone 
when the young people leave the town. Mm-hmm. And the people who stay in the town, they just keep repeating the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. They become like their fathers and their grandfathers and their great grandfathers. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a tough battle. That's so that's a hard nut to crack <laughs> when you're trying to change minds right. and give them back. See, the pieces that I'm always fascinated with is when, because of where I live, so a lot of the people more and more on Facebook that um, that follow me are, you know, you're, you're white, rural housewife out on a farm by Westlock, for example. And so what I find fascinating are the, whenever I have a, a Facebook post that they start sharing, that is talking about, you know, I'm trying to think the, the last one um, was about the strike, uh, the mm-hmm. Wildcat strike. And I'm thinking if a mom in Westlock who normally you know, maybe occasionally likes my stuff, but if she supports that statement in support of those workers enough to actually post it where her friends also in Westlock are going to see it. And then when you read the comments and everyone is in support of this, and I'm sort of literally looking around as a union member going, wait a second, (laughs) that's that's not how how I've been told that rural Alberta sees me. So I'm fascinated when I see a message that isn't supposed to work in rural Alberta, and it does. And I think if I were in charge of branding, that would be sort of where I would start, is start to look at what are the issues that rural Albertans actually care about that the NDP speaks to better than the UCP does. I think I think a lot of it though, like people up here, so I'm five hours north of Edmonton, in, and I grew up partially in Edmonton and I miss it dearly. <laughs> I, I'm much more a city person than, than rural, but that's the way it goes. But anyway, um, I think like to, to reach out to the people, like a lot of people get their news from YouTube and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to like, like I used to moderate a, a political page in our town and like, I can imagine. No, <laughs> just the ignorance is just, is just astounding. But honestly, like, you know, they're not trying to be necessarily divisive. They just don't have, the critical thinking like that hasn't ever been developed and so they're just consuming tons of like confirmation bias on Facebook and YouTube and you know while you know I watched Jordan Peterson video like it seems legit and it's like no 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 I know sorry (laughs) 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 but you know like that's that's I think a little seizure there Katie (laughs) (laughs) I know that's verboten (laughs) um but I think that's where you have to really get the that's where you engage with the voters who are conservative, always been conservative, always vote conservative. I think that's where you get them. And this wildcat strike was really interesting because there were a lot of people that voted UCP that I knew of personally in the last election. And they're out on the picket line now because, you know, they're not getting Mm -hmm. a fair shake. And it's like, yeah, we said that. We said that was going to happen. We were fear monitoring. Hashtag, we told you this would happen. I can't say it enough times. We told you. So I think like once it starts, like you you both have to like get the information out on Facebook and YouTube in that kind of way. Or I've I've tried to turn people onto Twitter, which, you know, maybe, maybe. That's not not an easy sell for some reason. But, you know, 
Well, I was telling you, like Twitter fact checks you right away, right? And so somebody will come in and say, that's not true. This is what the facts are. And whereas Facebook, it ruminates for like three, four, five days before it gets taken down. Bouncing around your your little group. And and the other thing that that drives me nuts about Facebook, especially in comment feeds, because somebody actually did this to me the other day on my husband's account, they will make a statement and then there'll be a little discussion. And in, in this case, I proved them blatantly wrong. And so what he did is he went and just removed his first comment, which removes the whole feed. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, it's, you can kind of do that on Twitter. Michelle Rumpel is the, you know, the, the case example. I mean, you just block anybody who freaking disagrees with you so that mm. it looks like it's a little Rumpel fan, fan club down there. Um, but by and large, you are correct, Katie. Twitter doesn't allow you to, other than Trump, um, to really push bullshit. At some point, somebody's going to shut you down. Whereas Facebook and those comment feeds, especially when it's you and all your little friends, um, you know, going on about whatever it is you're going on about, it's extremely difficult to get in, in the ganging up, right? Which you don't, Twitter's a little bit better for discourse. I, I use that very cautiously. Um, It can be a dumpster fire too, for sure. It depends. depends. Facebook is good, in my opinion, because it's a different audience. And I find, you know, because I play with it a little bit to sort of figure out, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating that um, if I share, say, an NDP or um, a liberal post, it is never going to be reshared, like never. Um, But if I talk about you know, what I believe personally about something that will be shared. So I find that aspect of it, that, that there is such a polarization. You know, if I put, I like Trudeau, because I kind of do, um, you know, given my options, that's how dare you. you. <laughs> if I had to vote tomorrow, I would vote Trudeau. Um, and well, there's not a lot of choices right now. So. <laughs> You know, that's, that's, that's a discussion topic. Um, I described it once as, you know, if, if Trudeau was, or if, if Canadian federal politics was my, my, my street, you know, I would be, you know, married to Jagmeet, sleeping with Trudeau, and O'Toole would be the angry neighbor that, like, everybody hides from. Yeah. And that's, and that's Banging on your trash cans because you didn't put them exactly. far enough down the driveway. <laughs> the guy that everybody thinks is 90 and turns out to be younger than me you know <laughs> I mean, that terrifies me so but that's but that's canadian politics it's it's there's you know not a whole lot of inspiration there at the moment uh, at the federal level i'd love to see a little bit of switch up um mm. you know but and and let's let's be clear o'toole is just a a, a placeholder a tool tool yeah <laughs> a tool. Um, but he's too dumb to realize that he's just a placeholder that's really all so it is. Andrew Scheer. <laughs> oh yeah i mean that these are not yeah. the brightest sticks in the matchbox so yeah. Yeah, i mean as long as they keep sucking i'm happy but <laughs> he, he's their most progressive guy right like i mean you had the leadership race was just like a who's who of peter mckay would have been troll Peter McKay oh. would have been their most progressive. But his, okay, his fair enough. During campaign was bizarre. It was it was yeah. like he was trying to out right wing the right wing. It was it was weird. He was well, he, he was went, trying to relate to them, and and that's not his that's not his thing. He, really, he, <laughs> full, um, he went full ammo fetish <laughs> some time yeah. ago too, yeah. right? So yeah, it's, Peter it's McKay today to is not back. necessarily Peter McKay in two thousand and two, right? No, but I don't even know if he was really peter mckay in 2002 i have such trust issues <laughs> with conservative men because they just con us over and over again so yeah. 
Like, I don't know who any of them really are mm. because they don't show us who they really are. I, I, think, um, I think Trudeau's best days are behind him. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is a, a pretty much a lifelong federal liberal party supporter. I think his best days are behind him. I, I think he needs to resign and let's get on getting a real leader in there and mixing it up a bit in time for the next election. Yeah. But at least with Trudeau and all of his screw ups, we know who Trudeau is. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, we know yeah. who he is. We mm-hmm. know he's imperfect. We know he's sincere though. We yeah, know he's he had a privileged him. life, mm-hmm. but we also know he does wanna make things better for people who aren't privileged. We know mm-hmm. that he loves his children. He loves his wife. There's, there's things about him we know and we understand and we can identify with. The conservatives keep throwing these guys at us that I have no idea who they are. They refuse to show us any personality. They refuse to ever say they were wrong about something. And if, mm-hmm. if you want to be effective in politics in this current timeline, you have to be able to say, I was wrong. I was, I, I apologize fulsomely. Trudeau can do that. But yeah. conservative men just, they're incapable of it. And so every conservative leader they give us is just another cutout of the guy before. It's the <sighs> same guy over and over and over again. And there's no personality and there's nothing that allows us to connect with them on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Because but everybody, they, everybody's doing that. That's not just the conservatives. Yeah. And I think that that's oh, why we don't, we don't have authentic leaders because to make it to that point, you have to be so bland and generic because there's this idea that I personally think is false, but there's this idea that the only way that you're going to pull votes is if you are if people could just sort of layer you with whatever, you know, their belief systems are, and because you've never actually taken a position on anything, it's really easy to do that. And Mm -hmm. I, I, again, go back to, you know, my friend in Westlock or, you know, my mother that I refer to every once in a while. Um, I ask, we'll ask them questions about, well, who do you like and who do you support? And often what, what they'll say is they will like respect and vote for someone, even if they disagree with them. But if they had the balls to stand up and say, you know what, this is my position. This is the hill I'm going to stand on. And I'm not, I'm going to stand here and discuss it with you, but I'm not going to change my opinion. And I don't care if the majority of you disagree with me, that this, this is, this is the right position to hold. And often I find voters will support that simply because it says that you actually freaking believe in something. Yeah. And that is so few and far between in, in any level of politics these days. Um, you know, you're starting to see bits and pieces of it. I think with the municipal election coming up, I'm starting to sort of pe- see people say, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to say whatever the hell I want. And I personally, I want to see that. I, I want to see a candidate who actually believes in something and isn't trying to run an election based on a, on a, on a poll of issues. Yeah, I, I also want to see candidates who are going to give me some ideas and some plans and some policies mm-hmm. and some big thoughts rather than just bitch about the guy who's already got the mm-hmm. job because I'm yeah, exactly. so sick of being exactly. bombarded with bad Trudeau, bad Trudeau. Yeah. Even... Yeah. even um, even in the States, you get two kind of cable news. You get 
Fox News that kisses the big citrus ass, or you get CNN, which is so ridiculous. I used to be such a fan of CNN. They do nothing but Trump 24-7. They have no other news. There's nothing else going on in the world to them. Even media does this now. They play into this game. And that's part of what has led to us being so divided because mm-hmm. we watch our TVs, we watch the news clips and we just nod our heads. Yeah, Trudeau, he's corrupt and he's got to go. And right. we all fall into it, uh-huh. right? I need candidates who are going to give me something more than that guy hates the gays. Yes, this guy exactly. hates the women's and this guy hates the immigrants. Yeah. Most of the time I'm going to know. I know yeah. this already. So tell me how you're going to fix it. Exactly. Give me some ideas I'm, about how you're going to make it better. Exactly. I'm not that asshole is not a valid question. <laughs> it's not a brand. <laughs> no. It's not a brand. Exactly. I think exactly. it may be true. Like, we veered into like, uh, you know, survivor politics, right? Where it's like, well, who's the one that's most popular? Who's going to get the most popular player vote? Like with Trump, right? Like he, he's not... Mm-hmm not campaigning on anything earth shattering. He hasn't done anything. I mean, he says jobs, jobs, jobs. It's not happening just because you say it doesn't make it so. Mm-hmm. And so people were voting for the celebrity of Don, Donald Trump, right? And so mm-hmm. then I think it's bleeding into Canadian politics. Like my kids were asking, you know, like, why are you following the American election? And it's like, no, no, it's, it's pertinent to us because mm-hmm. it sets the stage for what is happening here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I've been the most frustrated with though. It's like, they're trying to win this popularity contest. And it's like, no, just like, everyone was mad at, at Jagmeet this week because, or was it last week? I don't know. When he took a stand and said like, we should vote out Donald Trump, right? And everybody was like, oh, I can't believe you said that. And it's like, no, no, you need to be able to stand for something. I mean, yes, there's diplomacy and stuff, but it's not a popularity contest. He's bad for us. And yeah, you need to be able to say that. You know what I mean? Like, or. He's bad for, you know, kids in cages and things like that. Like that's <laughs> reprehensible, right? There's so, other, there's other things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, like, I, and I get why Trudeau can't come out and say. Like, no, but, but Trudeau had the, what was it? 56 seconds of silence. Right. Exactly. <laughs> He does it more passive aggressive. So. Yes. He's so passive aggressive. <laughs> I almost admire it because I used to be like the queen of passive aggressiveness. I'm, now I'm just, now I'll just get grumpy right in your face. <laughs> I used to be very passive aggressive. Trudeau puts me to shame. So, Kathleen, I know you've sort of talked about it and, and you and I are, are of a certain age and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talk about, I don't know how, how much profanity I'm allowed to use on your show, but, um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. okay. <laughs> um, because you know, as you, you always hear the statement, you know, I have zero fucks to give and the older you get. And I've realized that what that really is, is that women reach a certain age where we, we don't care what people think about us anymore. Oh, it's so good and, too. And it's and we don't care what we look like anymore. And necessarily, like, I'm never going to compete with some 20-year-old in a bar. And so we just don't care about all of the social mores that kept us in that tight little box. And the older I get, the funner it is, because legitimately, there's zero fucks to give. I don't care who I say, you know, what I say and who I say to. And, yeah. and it's, it's fun because I wish more women, and I really hope, you know, my daughter's generation, because she's almost 18 now, 
that she and and you know my younger one that they really understand the power of just not fucking caring anymore. Mm-hmm.